0: If I asked you for your definition of success, what would you say? For me, it's simple. Success is unique to each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Alice Ohlins, founder of The Step Up Club. Welcome to my podcast, The Success Revolution, which is changing the way that we talk and think about success. Having worked with one too many women who's had her confidence and her identity diminished as a result of working towards an antiquated definition of success, you know it, money, power, status. The mission of this podcast is simple, to get every single one of you feeling successful, whatever that success looks like to you. An extra note to add in to this episode of the Success Revolution, and that is around the Step Up School which if you are a regular listener or you are a keen follower of the step up club's instagram feed or get the newsletter you will know that booking is now open for the next round of step up school which is our unique masterclass three-day coaching program that will get you working smarter achieving your goals it will help you build your confidence it will knit you within a brand new female network It really is a game changer, our grads email constantly to tell us about their career wins, new businesses, promotions, angel investment, returns to work and so much more. This really is a unique opportunity to get some perspective on your career and learn the skills so that you can really fulfil your potential. So this week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Rosemary Ferguson, who, once you listen to my intro, you will find out that she is a highly successful British supermodel. She worked with the likes of Kate Moss in that kind of crazy 90s era when Corin Day ruled and waif models defined an entire age and while she still models, her career has evolved to encompass so much more, nutrition, being a naturopath and now working in the food industry too. It was my first podcast recording on my own, without Fenella, so that felt like a success for me. Definitely, ever since the start of the Success Revolution, this has been a kind of two-woman game. So I had to face a new challenge today, and thankfully, Rosemary is a totally gorgeous guest. I have actually interviewed her on stage before live at food events, so I know that she is kind and generous with her knowledge, and she was equally giving of herself today. It was a brilliant interview. I'm excited for you to know more about her crazy modeling beginnings, what it takes to be the face of an era and how that can impact you personally and professionally. She talks a lot about transformations. Her career has evolved from having one identity into having now several different identities and she talks about the struggles of making those changes and also about the joy of being a working mum, what it means to have three teenage children and how they impact on her life and her thinking and her musical tastes. And really talking to her about success which she admits is not something she thinks about often but definitely trusting her gut being true to herself and having fun seem to be her definitions of success so enjoy the podcast rate and review and stay tuned for next week As you know, instead of having a sponsor, the Success Revolution gives that airtime to the charity of choice of this week's guest. And Rosemary has chosen the hugely valid charity Every Mother Counts, which works globally to improve essential maternity care so as to reduce and ultimately prevent maternal deaths. Because over 300,000 women each year die from complications related to pregnancy and childbirth. For context, that's one woman every two minutes. To find out more about Every Mother Counts, which was founded and still run by Christy Turlington, or to donate, head to everymothercounts.org. Rosemary Ferguson is a multifaceted British sensation. One of the most famous faces of 90s modeling, you would recognize her face for its strong androgynous beauty. She spent that hedonistic decade looking waif-like with the likes of Kate Moss. She walked in all the most important catwalk shows and appeared on the hallowed covers of Vogue, The Face and many other seminal fashion tomes. Modeling was Rosemary's launchpad and she continues to bring magazine pages and fashion campaigns alive with her nonchalant knowing beauty." rosemary though is more than a beautiful face she is a trained naturopath and nutritionist and runs her own clinic on harley street she is a published author and later this year she's releasing her follow-up the five-day plan not content with just publishing recipes and advice last year she also launched her five-day plan a system which delivers food parcels to your door each day using tailored ingredients to suit your nutritional requirements fern cotton david beckham and sadie frost are all fans and then there is filth the plant-based pop-up that rosemary opened with london's favorite foodie gizzy erskine it built itself as health-focused fast food for hedonists and in doing so filth tapped into the current cultural phenomenon around veganism the beckhams went and loved it. And while its first pop-up is now closed, you can still get Phil's Burgers at Molly's Diners and at Ketner House, plus plans are afoot for more openings very soon. On the personal side of life, Rosemary lives in Oxfordshire. She is married to the artist Jake Chapman and has three daughters. Rosemary, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm thrilled and slightly in awe. Okay. So my first question to you, and it's a big one, is... What is your definition of success and how do you think it's changed over time?
1: Oh, that is a big question. I would say that I'm still working on my definition of success because it varies day to day, mm-hmm. actually. I think some days when I'm working lots, my definition of success is to spend more time with my kids. Yeah. When I'm with my kids or, you know, I'm, I suppose it's always thinking the grass is greener, which isn't a definition of success, but in my mind, that's what goes through it. For me, I think actually success is when I feel balanced. When I achieve balance and I feel like I'm happy At home, my marriage is good, the kids are good, I'm happy with work. And I feel a bit robust in that space, not just sort of like one day going, oh, everything's great, you know, when I feel quite
0: robust and strong and settled. That feels quite successful to me. And do you think you measure that success? Do you kind of take moments where you think, actually, things are good at the moment? Or do you let it pass you by and you don't actually kind of luxuriate in those moments?
1: Well, it's interesting, actually, because you talked about the 90s modelling. The amount of times I've been asked about how I felt at that time Mm -hmm. I definitely wasn't paying attention no it wasn't passing me by but I was in it and it was great but I didn't appreciate it at the time not to say I wasn't enjoying it I was but I didn't appreciate it and that kind of has left me with a little bit of a lesson now is to really appreciate actually so I kind of do try and appreciate what I'm doing and I also try not to get that appreciation from press or because that can knock you very quickly so if you're sort of going oh yeah everything's great because somebody in a magazine said it's yeah. great then the next day when somebody criticizes you you end up going oh things aren't so I don't take that so not get, externally no I try to you know I try to fill it inside
0: and gauge it on how I'm feeling how I think I'm doing you know what I'm proud of So, going back to those modeling years, which obviously kind of were a launchpad in so many ways, and I think the point about it passing you by is probably it says as much about youth there's anything yes. else because if I think back to my non-modelling early years who <laughs> yeah. knows what fun I was having then but wasn't actually appreciating it yeah. and the and freedom and everything exactly there's you kind of don't want that yeah, yeah exactly you don't yeah. want that it would be but awful if you were like 22 ooh, I'm <laughs> oh living. I'm it's so amazing look at everything you like, wouldn't no. have as many friends you wouldn't be having <laughs> as, many, as much yeah. fun but how formative were those years did you get scouted at 16? 15 15 so that is so young I mean I've also got daughters and I'm trying to think you know that's I mean mine are quite little but that's still not that far away how formative was that time and how did you cope being 15 and being kind of thrust I assume you were thrust into the spotlight well I got scouted at 15 but then I actually did a couple of jobs and really felt very uncomfortable I didn't
1: like it because it was also quite glam then it's weird what a couple of years difference Mm make so then two years later when I was 17 I went back and said actually I do want to do this you know for what changed i needed a car okay it's
0: good to have a goal (laughs) i I think
1: that i mean that genuinely was i have said it quite a few times but that was just genuinely i was like i need a car so that was what changed and then i went back and it was very grunge the grunge thing was around and had started i suppose so then things did really take off very fast from there and I suppose when I look back and think about it, I don't feel young, actually, when I look back and think about it. I you th- don't feel like you were young? No, I don't. I mean, I was young, but I felt like I took it in my stride. And, you know, I think it was a very weird time because my daughter is 19 and she started modelling and mm-hmm. it feels very much more professional fashion industry now. Okay. Whereas then, and the world I was in, the grunge world, was very not professional. It was <laughs> very unprofessional. Mm. Well, you were working you with just people around out. your age. Yeah. You know, so now photographers, photographers I was working with then, are huge photographers now mm-hmm. and they are obviously much older than the models now but we were all the same age the hairdressers the makeup the stylists and it was very much more low tech so okay. it didn't feel nearly as intimidating now I walk into a studio and they've got one studio is clothes one studio is you know for the shoot then they've got another studio for hair and makeup and it's a massive production now wasn't
0: then <laughs> you've said already that you didn't really think objectively about what was going on necessarily but were there moments where you were like oh my god this is insane what's going on you're like I'm really part of something and I'm feeling really good about it or like when you got the cover of the face for example like there must have been wins that happened where you were able to kind of have a bit of perspective on it I think the cover of the face is my second job Mm Wow! so I didn't really know anything about anything Um,
1: and all I knew is that that was what blew my cover because then everybody knew I was modeling because i didn't actually told anybody that I was mm going to do that I mean not my mum knew but you know my friends they were like oh you're on the front page of the place why didn't you tell anyone because I thought oh, I didn't want to draw attention to <laughs> you no, know you just enough. want to go and do it yeah. and you don't want to be going can you imagine the child going I'm modelling now well you know? some would probably yeah well it's not really white my... no <laughs> so and i think that there was a feeling because also very quickly that core of Corinne day dave Sims, melanie ward they started getting poached you know it's very quickly turned translated from the face to vogue and then american Mm -hmm. vogue and harb's Bazaar, which at the time was huge so you sort of noticed that and suddenly i was like i don't know there was a time i just remember there was diana ross was backstage you know it was backstage at shows and there were all these people and you'd be like this is really weird very you know sort of Cindy Crawford would drop us <laughs> yes. that's quite cool yeah because suddenly you were doing shows with these people yeah. and I remember walking into one show and Linda Vangelis said ah oh, you're the one and I thought like, what do you mean because of the way thing was like driving them all mad oh right yeah
0: because they actually had boobs and hips and stuff <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well it's fascinating um, yeah
1: so I think there were times when I just felt it felt a bit surreal but what is true I don't think I ever realised what a movement it was because it wasn't Mm. just fashion was it it was art and it
0: was music brick pop YVAs it was all the same type fashion McQueen Galeana you Mm. know obviously but you kind of sometimes need the benefit of hindsight to see how important those times were exactly yeah and does it make you smile when you think back and think i'm really proud
1: i'm really proud i was i really am it does make me smile because i'm like oh i did i really appreciate it plus my kids think it's great
0: yeah your kids clearly must (laughs) think you're the coolest (laughs) mum in the world Um, (laughs) sometimes so clearly your career and your life have expanded way beyond that lots of different directions when and why and how did that occur that kind of transformation happened was there a reason why you decided to kind of put a cap on modeling or to look elsewhere and into you know becoming a naturopath et cetera? like what was that change point and what drove it I think it was definitely children. Yeah. It was children because, so I have a 19-year-old who used to come with me everywhere. And the
1: fashion industry is very accommodating, actually, Mm. kids. And then the last two were very close together, 14 months apart. Oh, my God, you're crazy, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't meant to be quite that Okay. But but (laughs) it happened, you know, I was like, okay, for a penny. And it's weird, actually, because when you're in the baby zone when you've got another one, it's just like, okay, I'm just like, you know, drowning here, but it's fine. I'd be drowning anyway. Then I was 31 and you know, two babies back to back. And I was just, I think I just was like, well, like, I'm not, I am not—I don't want to travel. I don't want mm-hmm. to have a nanny. I want to look after my kids. So that was kind of it, I suppose. And that's when I thought I don't want to travel. And if you don't travel, and I wasn't particularly interested in getting back in shape, you know, getting yeah, match fit. Like that. I call yeah. it match fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't Fair particularly enough. interested in getting match fit to that extent so and you know I'd had a really good career It wasn't as buzzy as it was anyway my career at that point if I'm honest so I was like okay you know and then I realized I wanted to do something else actually I realized that I'm a worker I like to work
0: and it's kind of weird when you get to your early 30s and realize you've had a whole career which you can't build on yeah it's sort of like well you could in the sense of your kind of notoriety
1: yeah I suppose you could have gone into fashion you know I could have done some writing or I could have I don't know really but I suppose that's not where my passion was at the time I was quite happy with my role in the fashion industry as mm-hmm. it was happy and I loved my you know I come from a very holistic alternative medicine background my parents both you know my stepdad's a homeopath my gran had a health yes, feature. I, I know she had one of the first health features so I grew up in her house and she'd been measuring out turmeric and cumin into little you know the smell of a you know there's that mm-hmm. smell of a health food shop. so I think for me, food was my medium, and I was really interested. And I was interested before when I was a model. I'd always sort of try and do the right thing. And I got into when I lived in New York. And then with kids, when you know, I, was, I would blend everything up, mm. <laughs> like tirelessly make jar after yeah, jar yeah, food yeah. that We've they would eat. Yeah. And I wanted to know why. I wanted to know the why of why. And I think if you want to know why you're putting stuff into food, why you're using foods, so I wanted to go back to school and find out, basically. And then I wanted to practice, so I needed to be qualified
0: and it sounds like that was a relatively easy transition that you were quite sanguine about change and starting again is that exactly how it was no it took two years to commit to going back to college because
1: I was like it's three years I mean it's a part-time course but it was still three
0: years and
1: I just kept putting off I was like oh no and also it's weird when you're a model I found it weird I found it you know it's part of your identity Mm -hmm. being that person walking in on set and you know and it's part of your identity I knew where I was at in that industry and I found it challenging letting that go more than starting something else I found it challenging to let that go actually because I was like oh who am I without that I mean that's what Mm -hmm. I do
0: but I really enjoyed going back to college. I really enjoyed. I mean, it was really hard, actually. Oh, God, my concentration is so but also, bad. Also, that mum, yes. three young children. I mean, I trying to get your head together. I can't imagine. I
1: tried to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was great. It was really. I really enjoyed learning it. I mean, I think after a year and a half, I kind of felt like throwing in the towel and then was just like I've worked hard for a year and a half there's no point in quitting now so I finished the rest of it actually is just weirdly grown not weirdly but I'm really chuffed with how it's gone I had no idea it would go where it would go I just knew that I wanted to practice nutrition and use it to help people feel better because I feel really passionately about food and what it can do like i really feel passionate about that so that was my main driver and, and then of course the fashion industry i didn't even think about it. i mean it. there's they, such a connection i know there? but i didn't even think about yeah. that when i stopped when i sort of semi-stop model was basically stop modeling i was just like oh okay that's the end of that career mm. now i've got to set off in a whole new field and of course have you know they've been amazing and interested and a great fantastic support for the nutrition but so how have concern. you tied
0: those two lives those two industries together well, it started, I suppose, a bit when I very
1: first started with my model agency asking me to go and talk to the models, you know, and chat yeah. to the girls. Because yeah. now there's a much more attention on health and wellness and, you know, the shows, they don't have to at pain in night. <laughs> it's
0: disappointing. In my previous life, I was a fashion journalist and I was writing, not quite when you were modelling, but definitely when there was still a lot of size zero chat. And the yes. number of pieces I had to get out about that and knowing, you know, that some of these girls really weren't very well. It seems less like that now. Is that the truth? Yeah, I think so. We say people talk to me a lot about eating disorders and models. And when
1: I was modeling, I honestly wasn't aware of that. It might have been just because I wasn't aware. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't much I mean people are models are obviously very thin but I also know that some
0: girls are very thin well yeah and also if you're 15 or 16 I, I know. Mean, you know exactly
1: so since then I've discovered that hips keep changing until you're like
0: into a 20s and oh, then start
1: developing insulin resistance which is why we What's start that? getting why people get fat around the middle is to do with your body stops listening to insulin so when you eat sugar just gets stored oh, right, yeah. perfect yeah i know it's <laughs> joy <Great story. laughs> but it does show why your body's always changing and it changes through parts so when you're 15 16 17 your body isn't like that so yes yeah, so i started with model you know so you know my model agent would ask me to go and talk to the girls sometimes and then i guess i started writing a bit for model for fashion magazine so i write for mm-hmm. vogue and some of my greatest supporters are Russian mm. people. You know, they they're always willing to try something new, fantastical oh, Yeah, idea of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and I think people appreciate. Actually, and I also think people like the fact that I was in the fashion industry. Yeah, so you've got so, credibility. So yeah, so I've seen quite a lot.
0: So I asked you before the interview for your top five moments of success. So I'm going to pull out one of those which you've touched on and it's an obvious one, but I'm interested in it in light of you being a role model for younger models or being someone who helps support them and inform them and also it being part of the change point in your career. And that's about becoming a mum. right? Clearly, that was a massive success in your life, a personal one. Now your daughters are older. Yeah how is that role important in your career like how do they inform you because i feel like i've got a younger assistant my children are too young but i feel like there's going to be this tipping point where they know more about popular culture and what's going on is <laughs> yeah, that kind of motherhood <laughs> is that happening and how does that benefit you i don't think it benefits me at all. It well, doesn't you not really well, don't they tell you what's cool and what you should be doing No, no, no. Oh, Oh, no, no, no. Because okay. I mean, actually, it didn't happen for a long
1: time. But funnily enough, lately, I'm just like... And also, because every time I say I'm a 19-year-old daughter, it ages me. So I've said to my oldest, I've said to Elfie, I'm going to start lying about your age and saying you're 14 so that I look... (laughs) Okay, right. Because it's true, as soon as you start saying you've got quite an old child, people go, oh, you must be much older than I think you are. Or you had kids really young. Or, yes, this is true. I mean, I suppose musically things changed a few years ago you know i could get away with them making them listen to the stone roses and david bowie for quite a while and then grime and all that music that i don't know any don't about, that's quite a big separating point of you know things and they really aren't interested in explaining it to me Or okay. like
0: are they interested in your health and your juicing and your knowledge in that area and how it can benefit them they're all different the two older children or
1: you know the 13 and the 19 year old a much better choices. my 12 year old like we have kind of a headlock about it because she is a sugar sweet okay. tooth and actually I have to be really careful because it makes my blood boil because I'm just like you're making such shocking choices and also you know you have to be aware of the fact that people's relationships with food I would say are at an all time low you know mm. there are so many weird relationships with food you know even if the people are trying to be really 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 healthy I don't think that's necessarily great no so I, sometimes I just, I tell myself off for being too opinionated. Sometimes, sometimes it's just better just to leave it. But and if you, if you remember, are aware, you know, and I think they, but also compared to their friends, they eat really well. Yeah. So that's what amazes me is that in the school, I'm not particularly impressed, you know, like they, the food that's... Oh, on, I know.
0: It, it's, I, yeah. yeah. D- school lunch desserts of like every day it's carrot cake and some other cake. I
1: know.
0: Talking of food, let's talk about filth. How did that come about? Where did the idea come from? How has it nourished you, um, not in terms of what you eat, but in terms of becoming, I mean, it feels like to go up against all those foodie giants seems quite scary. Is it madness or is it brilliant? What is it? It's a roller coaster.
1: Filth is a roller coaster for many different reasons, but I mean, you know, obviously we had huge success. Like it's gone really, really well. We couldn't have asked for more. But then on the success vaccine, in what way? So how has like, it? everybody? It's
0: been received critically really well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So just to give our listeners a little bit of background, do you want to explain the premise of it? Yes about the burger you know the whole kind of background and then yeah so Gizzy Erskine is a chef and she and
1: I have known each other for quite a while we both like to go out and have a good time (laughs) and then I asked her to come to the Mayo Clinic with me a couple of years ago because she's a cynic I wanted to see how she found it because it's you know you can take somebody who loves the spa and you know be, oh I love it and I feel great but I wanted to really talk to her and see if we could have a good chat and so we did we had really good conversations about how she was feeling in the gut and and, and did they, you have anything in mind in terms of working together or were you just going as a friend as friends yeah just as friends really I mean I was working on a project with our third partner at the time Duval Breck is our third partner and we, we were working together on something and that was basically the formula for what we came up with mm-hmm. in the end and Gizzy was also working on healthy junk food basically or healthy okay. comfort food we were calling it at the time and so basically you know the missing link was a chef and he was the yeah. so we did end up talking about it while we were away at the mayor and then we because I could do the nutrition she did the chef do does sense mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah common sense he tries to put common sense into them so she is very very passionate about using just using food as unhealthy food but not like fatty food not like kale leaf just wholesome, good food you mm-hmm. know and it's become so extreme both of us i mean i i totally understand what clean eating means but unfortunately the term clean eating has become the banner for yeah. really extreme exclusionary diets and so i don't use that term anymore. No. So we both have the same sort of outlook of it needs to be just wholesome, normal, it's not rocket science food. So that's where we started from. And we started with things like lentil shepherd's pie and even like a turkey burger. We had a fish burger and we did a tasting and we, did, we had the filth patty and it stuck out like basically all three partners we all went to and we were like we should just do the passy we should just no, do that really burger not. because it was just like actually it ticked so many boxes and we all came back to and all of us went we should just do it and we were like like have god we
0: all you're all on the same page you all agreed yeah all on the same burger and
1: it just it, we got clarity from doing all those tastings we were like actually that is clear this is the clear message we want to do that it shouldn't be unpleasant eating healthily it shouldn't be just vegans who eat vegan food mm-hmm. or plant-based food vegans are you know veganism is a thinking you know it's like really about no leather, you know so it should be yeah. plant-based yeah i mean it's vegan but it is a plant-based product yeah i think there has to be a distinction i think if i was a vegan and everybody was eating vegan food it's not the same as being vegan yeah so anyway clear that one up no um, i think that's an important point, yeah you know so yes yeah, so that's how the patty came about and then we spent quite a long time developing it and getting the price down because you'd be amazed how. Expensive. What is the main ingredient in your patty? Are you
0: allowed to dis- I am, this yes, information? I, am. I get told off. Is it the? Okay, but we use. I know the, there's a secret ingredient because I've done a bit of reading and yeah, it, there it are. says and secret ingredients. And secret ingredients. So
1: the main bulk of it is we use black beans, black quinoa, non-GMO British soy, and then we use the secret ingredients too. secret ingredients. Secret ingredients. Well, it's to get the umami flavours. Yeah. The umami, I've learnt. Yeah, is yeah, the yeah. Thing that makes it taste and feel. Totally you know, like full flavour and stuff. So, And so, yeah, so we developed that for quite some time. So the price of it was really an issue. It's much more expensive to make a plant-based, really high-quality burger than it is to do the best meat burger you've ever tried, which is really very sad and wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So anyway, so we did that, we developed, developed, developed to where we are now. So it's all very well doing five patties at Did home. Did you enjoy that process? Getting the patty right has been quite stressful just because of manufacturing production is quite hard. So when you scale it up to a thousand, two thousand, it's not the same as it was when you made one. So that's sort of logistics side we've all found quite stressful but it's just a process and we go through it. and every time we've had these issues we get through them and then you learn and you move on yeah. we've got a really good team actually and we're all quite on it so it's so exciting there's loads of things you get at this email when you know it, suddenly something comes through and it's like oh my god and then you know you have to take calm because everything takes time as well so, so hopefully there's really exciting things coming but it just takes time to Get
0: it. So I'm thinking a few things while you're talking. Number one is I think that your career, maybe you underestimate how strategic you've been about your career because I feel like you've made some brilliant choices and pivoting at the right time. And for the fact that you're not vegan or don't only eat plant based food, yeah. but you have gone into that sphere it was clearly very smart and moving from the nutrition into actually being able to work with someone who can help you deliver that food yeah. seems brilliant to me would you agree that you probably are I more strategic I've, than you think you I give think you i've probably got for? lucky no don't say that well i don't
1: No, no no but i just i, I don't know maybe instinctively it's been because it was also very nice to work with somebody else so as a nutritionist it can be quite lo- not yeah lonely, yeah of course. but you're very much self-contained yeah. you know my five-day plan is very much my sort of brainchild but to work with gizzy has been really nice We're very like all about women, you know, and it's quite nice to work with another woman. Totally. Dougal doesn't agree. It It
0: wasn't ever a conscious decision to just go plant based because it's trendy. No, but it it doesn't necessarily mean it isn't the right decision, that you weren't onto something without even really being conscious of it. Yeah, I'm very pleased with the decision you made, definitely. Yeah. And also and the other we're just thing... just like instinctively genius strategists. <laughs> no, but I think trusting your instinct... I was going to say trusting your gut, but that sounded too connected to food. Um, but trusting your instincts probably is, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit for doing that. No, that's true, actually. And actually working with Gizzy, she's quite strong on that.
1: She's quite like between the two of us we're like actually you know what that sounds like an amazing opportunity but actually we have to give too much for it or whatever it yeah. is you mm-hmm. know and we've actually sort of walked away from quite a few
0: things which might be eye-watering someone else but I think well you know we'll see but well, that's I interesting I think. because we talk a lot at Step Up about learning how to say no yeah because and about I'm the power about yeah and it is I think it is a discipline that you have to learn and you yeah. have to go through the process of saying no because what we say is every no is an opportunity for another yes and actually yeah. that yes might have been better than the no but you still have to kind of go through that process of knowing that the outcomes will be good in the end but you have to be courageous to say no to big things sometimes but it sometimes yeah,
1: but it's also it is taking your power back because the thing is when you're little pipsqueaks like we are you know you feel like you should say yes to everything because you're mm-hmm. kind and actually it is sort of getting into sort of going actually what we've made and created we love and we really believe in mm. So that's not the right thing for us right now, Mm. you know, and it is a bit sort of like, oh, my God, what are we doing? But actually you do feel, I suppose I feel more connected with the brand,
0: you know, more connected with what we're doing,
1: more connected, you know, I feel more in control of it, I guess.
0: Mm. You said you're a pipsqueak, but then I've also read a brilliant quote Mm. from you which says, the plan for filth," she confirms, is world domination, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how long are you going to remain a pipsqueak until you become Like what is... Is it world domination? And if so, does that scare you? Or are you invigorated by that big thought and goal? I'm quite invigorated by that big thought and goal. I'm not entirely sure how you get
1: there, but I'm sure you can work that out. Exactly. I definitely think that. Plant-based food in general, you know, when it comes to the planet is a crucial step in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I really love what we do. I'm very proud of what we've done. So, yeah, world domination here we (laughs) shall. Yeah, why not? Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Clearly.
0: Okay, well, that kind of brings our chat to an end. It's been fascinating talking to you about the strands of your career and how they've kind of interwoven and how clearly you are at the beginning of something New again, I hope so. And becoming maybe more entrepreneurial, yeah, building a business, an empire. But anyway, I haven't eaten a filth burger, but I need to get yeah. in there. So when the next pop up opens, yeah, I'll we be there. To, or we, can we can go to Ketner, Ketner House. Well, we could go to Ketner yes, House. Yeah, be, but um, yeah, I'll keep you posted. Well, thank you, Rosemary, thank you. and here's to plant-based food yes. and everyone being good to themselves. But also because if you know anything about Rosemary, she still goes out and gets drunk and doesn't treat her body like a temple 100% of the time and I think that's really refreshing in that space as well I think you have to do what makes you happy and I
1: need to go you know I love going out sometimes yeah yeah I really do it's part of does the plant-based
0: help with the hangover what is your hangover cure I'm going to end on something really important what is your hangover cure well there must be a juice out there that we can all learn Smoothies are really good
1: for hair. There are, you know, a juice with lots of greens in it and some asparagus. Mm -hmm. Asparagus really helps digest alcohol. Okay, good tip. Um, Yeah. If people think you can't juice it, you can. It's quite good to juice. And some greens are really good. Lemon is really good. It's also really good to have some fats. So Mm -hmm. something like egg is really good. Mm -hmm. And egg's quite good. Well, you always fancy an egg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So scrambled eggs and avocado would be a really good thing to have. I think scrambled eggs, if you did a green juice, scrambled eggs and avocado we would put your eggs in the juice
0: no no no, no, sorry, no. Um, you'd eat the eat, eggs yeah yeah, 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 yeah eggs okay good avocado. Oh, right, yeah, fine. Yeah. i get that now Have juice okay so there. eggs and avocado yeah. and a green juice filled mm-hmm. with asparagus yeah and a little duvet morning if you yeah, can yeah yeah exactly. a bit of frazier <laughs> oh well thanks rosemary <laughs> and i can't wait to share a um, phil's bug with you very oh, soon well, that'd be great If you enjoyed the podcast and it sparked some thoughts about your success, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating for The Success Revolution wherever you are listening. All of the information from today's episode can be found at stepupclub.co forward slash podcast. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram and sign up to the newsletter so that I can help you achieve your career dreams. This podcast has plenty of incredible women up its sleeve, each with her own definition of success. See you next time.